0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. We're coming off of Christmas. We're into New Year's Eve. This year is coming to a close. I don't know how you're feeling. But what I want to know is what would it take for you to walk away from Christ? What would it take? What could lead you away? What would cause you to turn your back on the Savior? Now, we had the perfect progression up to this moment of who God is and what he's done and what Christ should be for us. But sometimes we can waffle there. Sometimes we can struggle there. Because things come into our life. And I don't know what your holiday season was like. For some people, it's chaotic. It's dramatic. There's a lot of tension. And when there's persecution and when there's problems, people do crazy things. And that's kind of the backdrop of the book of Hebrews as far as why it was written and to whom it was written to. So if you've been in that place where, you know, maybe you've had a time in your Christian walk when you've had problems and difficulties and they're mounting and building and you're getting more frustrated and you feel like God is not talking and nothing's happening and you're like is this really real? Is this really worth it? Should I really be all in for this? Or is it just some big gaslight situation? Or maybe you've opted to reject (laughs) from time to time God's leading, God's truth, and said, you know what, the world has a great answer. It's easy, it's simple. I'm going to embrace that and go down that road. And I know probably all of us in here at one time or another have probably done that because I know I have. And I learned that it was a lie. Absolutely. What the world offers is a lie. Wants to keep us in bondage. Wants to keep us held down. Now think about it. What if... And it's it's getting easier and easier to think about this. What if everyone around you was against you? (laughs) It's becoming more and more reality, isn't it? (laughs) We used to be very united and very one, but all of a sudden that persecution, that division, that tension is starting to rise. What are we going to do about that? What should we do about that? Now, if you're calling yourself a believer, a follower of Christ, God has something for you today. And if you're not, God has something for you today. It's a different story because it's a different starting place. But we're starting with the book of Hebrews today. And the reason the author wrote that was there was persecution going on in their world. They were struggling. There were trials. And they were trying to figure out Was following this Jesus guy really the right thing to do? Is it really worth it? Should I give everything to that? They were dealing with persecution from Jews and Gentiles. They were Jewish believers in Rome, and the tensions there were just kind of all over the place because of this upheaval. And I would say we're probably starting to see just whisperings of that in our own life. I mean, we're not touched by it that much, but we are. I don't know about you, but it just, there seems like there's so much more opposition. I mean, I always look forward to Christmas because usually that's the time when hearts are open and people are more willing to hear. But it's like, you know, there's almost a militance about, you know, happy holidays or Merry Christmas. And it's like, it's not like a loving, like, you know, oh, Merry Christmas, it's just Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, OK, Jesus must have you completely filled. But it's, that's what happens when we let persecution and problems and trials come in and start to influence us and start to dictate how we live and the decisions we make and how we're going to respond and how we're going to deal with things. And the cool part, I don't know if you ever noticed it, but you know Hebrews goes, boom, it just starts. There's no little fluffy, you know, hey, it's great to see you. Hi, this is what's going on here. And, you know, this is who it's from and where we're going. And, you know, say hi to everybody. It's like, no. Because the author here is saying there's some problems. They are serious. You need to listen. We're hitting it hard. We're hitting it fast. We're jumping right in both feet. Because we have to understand people under persecution, people with problems, people having difficulties, and by people I mean even Christians, are at risk. We're at risk when trouble comes our way. We we make crazy decisions. I keep bumping into this and it's gonna knock me over, I bet. At risk to thinking unprofitable thoughts. Thoughts like, is this really true? Does this really work? Can I really trust this? Does God really want that? And it's all real. I get it. I've been in those places where it's like, I've been at an impasse of, okay, where do I go with this? And I seek the Lord, and it's like, sometimes he'll lead me in this direction where it's like, that doesn't make any sense at all. But God's word tells us, His ways are not our ways, His thoughts are not our thoughts, and He will lead us down paths that will be unbelievable. You want to live on the edge and live fun, live in faith. Listen to the Lord and let him lead you, let him guide you, let him draw you down paths you would never go down before, because you can trust him. But when you're operating in fear, faith all of a sudden pauses, and hesitance comes in, questioning comes in, halting comes in, because instead of walking confidently, you're like, okay, maybe, oh, there's a creek. there's a creek. the floor's going to give way." Fear always counteracts faith. Faith is a far more beautiful place to live because you get to see the hand of God, experience the hand of God, understand his presence and how he's working, and see how he confounds the wise of this world to accomplish his goals. Because he can look at it all in a moment, in a fraction of a moment and see every possible way to to make his will happen. And he does. And when we're a part of it, we get to be a part of it. Can you imagine that? Being a part of God's sovereignty? Because we're walking in obedience, we're walking in faith, we're walking in such a way that we get to kind of be with him and see it. But sometimes we let the confusion, we let the persecution, we let the troubles, we let the trials dictate how we live dictate how we walk. When we're under persecution with problems or having difficulties, we are at risk of making unprofitable decisions that lead to destructive actions. And I know this happens because I sit across from people all the time going, how did this happen in my life? And I don't, I don't say that to mock. They are genuinely heartbroken that they can't believe how this happened because I'm a Christian and I love God and how could this happen? Bad things happen to good people every day. And they're accelerated when we're making really bad choices. (laughs) And I can say that from experience because I made a lot of bad choices and had a lot of bad recourse from it. But when we are under persecution, when we are dealing with problems, we are at risk. Unprofitable decisions. Destructive actions. And it's like, I I remember so vividly when God brought me to that realization for myself that any and every time I try to operate in my own intellect and strength. I'm going to choose destruction. Doesn't that sound crazy? It's like, well, oh, no, 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 we're good people. We're pretty decent people and, you know, you know, we want good things. Only God is good and only what he has is good and only following him is good and only letting him lead in our life will be good. Every good thing, every perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights. It's God that provides the good. We always choose destruction. It's the craziest thing. But it happens. That's why we look to God. That's why we trust his truth. That's why we trust what he says to do. And we've got to be all in. We've got to be holding on to that completely faithful that his word is truth. That his word is mighty and powerful and can do anything it says it can do in our lives and other lives. But we're also at risk of being in great spiritual danger when we're under persecution, when we're dealing with problems, when we're dealing with circumstances. Because that's the place where people get to where it's like, this Christian life stuff doesn't work. I don't know what Christian life stuff they're doing. (laughs) But it's like, my life has been transformed by the word of God. The way the Holy Spirit works in and through me has been revolutionized. I, I and I've said this time and time again. You're probably sick of hearing it, but I know if I was not a believer, I probably wouldn't be living in here today. Because I lived risky lives, choices. I did things that were stupid. I did, you know. It's like you can go on YouTube. There's plenty of stuff. People on ladders. It's, look that up. Oh my goodness, it's crazy what people do on ladders. We do dumb stuff. I've done dumb stuff. But especially when we do stuff apart from God, we are so at risk. And that's the backdrop here as we come into Hebrews. There's stuff going on in these believers' lives, and they're at risk for the choices they're going to make. Now, it's I, I, I really, it's like I lamented over, boy, what is a modern-day kind of translation of what these Jews were kind of dealing with? And, and I kind of went back and forth and back and forth. And kind of the Lord brought me to, it's like, you know, we have a pretty good understanding of kind of the Amish community and how they live. And they're very much, you know, they're integrated in the sense of they live in America but they're very separate they have you know their own rules and the kind of the only way they live and they're very interconnected now imagine trying to live differently in the midst of that in the midst of amish country where you're one of them but you've come out from them and you're living differently that's kind of what christians were because for jews it's their way of life. All of their traditions. The, the calendar dictates so much stuff. The holidays dictate so much stuff. There are all of these traditions that have been passed down and passed down and passed down and they've embraced and lived by for generations and generations and generations. And now they're kind of pulling away from that. Not completely. But they're following someone different. And it's got to be Tumultuous. There's got to be tension there. And that was what was going on in Rome with these believers at the writing of this book to try to help them not go down this road of risk, but be encouraged, but be reminded, but be exhorted unto good works. Now, also... It's like, I, I'm, my goal is always to try to bring the word of God to a point where it's like, okay, how does it relate here? How does it connect here? And so it's like, you know, part of what our thinking is in day-to-day life is, you know, how we come to Christ impacts how we live for him oftentimes. Not that it should, but it oftentimes does. What we've had. Now, if you've come to Christ as an adult, uh, there's usually some scars that are there that remind you of, oh, that life, I'm glad I'm done with that life. And if you come to Christ as a, a younger person, you struggle with a whole different set of things. Because you've been saved from a lot of the scars that the older person has. But it's like you still struggle with, am I living the truth? Am I walking the right way? Am I doing this right? Did I really believe? Did I really meet it in my heart? And you struggle with those things. And they can put you at risk. But there's a truth that we have to understand. Because it's like, I think as Christians, we struggle with the idea of persecution, the idea of problematic circumstances, having difficulties. I think we struggle with that because we think, I'm a Christian. My life should be perfect. My life should be trouble-free. It should be you know, rainbows and unicorns and you know, happy stuff. And that would be great. <laughs> but that is a fantasy. That is not reality. Uh, John 15, 19 reminds us of something that we have to be mindful of. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, the world hates you. As a believer, we're hated by the world, by the world system. You think unicorns and rainbows come with that position? Probably not. (laughs) No, there's going to be opposition, there's going to be trials, there's going to be some trouble, there's going to be stuff. But our God is bigger. And see, that's what we have to be reminded of. And that's where we have to go with this, is who is God? Who is Christ? How does this all work? Because we've got to live here. We've got to make this happen. And so we're going to have difficulties. We're going to have trials. We're going to have problems. We need to start expecting those things. Not that we look for them, not that we create them in our lives, because some people do that all on their own. But just not be so surprised that something goes sideways that it's like it takes your feet out from under you and you're like, God, why did you do this to me? Why not? My wife and I have, <laughs> have a little phrase we share with each other. Is, this is for our sanctification. <laughs> Because it's like, you know, it's like if you're a driver on the road, there's a lot of sanctification, or should be, going on on the streets of this place. Uh, people, I don't know, lately it seems people are crazy on the road. Red lights are like, I don't know what suggestion, I guess. <laughs> people go through them multiple times, it blows my mind. Anyway, let's not go down that road trail. Now, I'm going to say this again because it's like there's so much that comes from this foundational truth, and you're like, ah, oh, here we go again with the whole, we have four needs. <laughs> because we do. And even unbelievers have these needs love, acceptance, worth, or value, and security. And when those needs go unmet, we lose our minds. Because we want to feel loved and we want to love others. We want to feel accepted, we want to feel a part, we want to feel involved. That's why it's so important for us as a church to reach out to people as they come in. We don't know what's going on in their lives, we don't know if they're hurting or healthy or what, but we need to be reaching out and accepting people in. But value, what makes me worth it? That's, for a lot of people, that's a huge, huge struggle. And they seek crazy destructive things to feel valued or worthy and secure. Feeling secure, that's a tenuous thing, isn't it? It can change moment by moment sometimes. But we have these needs. And when we try to meet these needs apart from God, sin will always ensue because he's got a plan he's got a method he's got everything we need to know about have, having our needs met in him through him with him not apart from him and that's sometimes where we struggle because you know we want to be in control we want to lead our lives in such a way But you know what? It's far more fun to let God in. Because he can do things that we can't even think of. He can do things that are far beyond us. He can do things that are so incredible. And we get to be a part of that when we let him be in control. It's a far better life. It's a far more exciting life. And the story of our life can take amazing turns and changes because God is in control of it. the highly emphasized focus of the author of hebrews is that christ is better than not best because i was like that was my first question why didn't he say you know god is the best he is the ultimate he is the but no christ is always in a state of better than because no matter what you compare no matter what you put up no matter what you try to say well what about the and what about the Christ is better than that. Every time, for all time, no matter what. Christ has always been and always will be better than anything else compared to him. And we've got to wrestle with that because either we're going to live like that and let him control and lead and guide and direct and it's amazing, I'll attest to that, Or we can waffle, or we can kind of walk away and go, "Mm, I don't know. Is he really? This feels really good over here. Or, oh, that seems even better over there. Or, But, you know, I've had this go on in my life. But I attest to you today, Christ is better than anything else you want to compare to him, just as the author did. So we're going to be in Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 1. Well, if you want to use the Bibles that are there on the chairs, it's page 1372. 1372. And um, God's last gift to you through me for 2023 is I'm only covering four verses this morning. <laughs> no matter how much I fought it. Because I, I was like, oh, but the whole chapter really needs to be understood to see this and that and that and this. And God's like, edit, edit, edit. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, all right. And boy, it was a struggle. I'll tell you, it was a struggle until I really dug in. And there is so much here that it's, it's like, Lord, you were right. It's like, duh, just listen. Alright, Hebrews 1, I'm going to read 1 through 4, starting in verse 1. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. (laughs) Boom. Mic drop. Don't miss it. God knows everything. There's no little fancy getting you, know, getting you into it and easing you into the book. God, who at various times and in various ways, it's don't miss this. Don't get derailed. Don't get to a place of being at risk. Now, how many of you have ever been to a concert? it's okay they're not bad <laughs> all right now what does the, the the person that normally that you're there to see are they usually the first person that shows up on the stage no there's the what exactly the warm up band or the one who comes in ahead of time right the opening act let's say and so you know when we look at some of the stuff that's going on god who it Various times and in various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets. The whole idea of the opening act is kind of what's here. The prophets were the opening act. They're kind of what God was doing way back there, kind of leading up to, leading up to, leading up to. Getting everyone ready for what was going to happen. They were the opening act. And it's like, you know, on a marquee, they're, they, most of the time, they're not even listed. But occasionally, they'll be listed right at the bottom, you know, down here. You know, it's like, well, who's the big one right now? Oh, yeah, Taylor Swift. And with, it's her, there's nobody listed because no one else matters but her. But anyway, <laughs> we won't go down that road. <laughs> but here, with the whole idea of the prophets, they were the opening act. Christ was the headliner. And so it's like, go ahead and go up to that next one. It's like, you know, Emmanuel. And because I want to give a little bit of credit to them, and he's like, introducing the prophets. <laughs> we'll give them a little bit of credit. Because that's what the, that's what the writer did here. But it's like, the prophets were just the opening act. They were just providing that ambiance for understanding for catching everything that Christ was going to do. God with various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets as in these last days spoken to us by his son. Prophets only provided pieces and that's the whole idea of God who at various times, talking about pieces. Um, I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it again because it happens. <laughs> you know, we turn pages, and hundreds of years can go by. And we miss that. And so when we go back and we look at the prophets, it's like, these were times and things that were happening, you know, that could have spans that we, we miss and so the prophets, you know, as they presented God's truth, as they spoke for God, it was in pieces and fragments here and there. There were different ways that God used as, far as holidays and observances and all these kinds of things that had happened prior to. That's what's t- going on here when it says God who at various times and in various ways. The, the times is the whole idea of these fragmented truths that have been provided for us that are for our understanding, that are to help us grow in and lead up to what Christ was going to do. And it's one of those things where it's like they had lived this out for years and years traditionally. It was part of who they were. And now we had this group that they had come out from that to follow Christ, and there were these struggles going on. But also multiple forms and methods were used through the prophets to provide God's truth. So these two things are happening. And it's like, that's what had happened before. All right? Um, Various times, various ways. It was past facing or past looking. Um, It was in fragments and pieces. It was in forms and methods. It was not just in totality. It was not in whole. All of these pieces. And so the the author here is trying to say, it's like, you know, in various times, various ways, but don't miss it, God spoke. So God's still in control here. God's still leading. But this is how he was working, all for a purpose. Because the prophets, as the opening act, were preparing the way, preparing the way, preparing the way. And we hear some of that imagery in the New Testament, right? With John Prepare ye the way for who, right? That was still going on. The prophets were only the opening act, preparing the way of divine revelation, okay, which was about to happen. Jesus is the headliner. He is the headliner, the reason everyone showed up, the culmination of divine revelation. And so these things are going on. These things are happening. And these people needed to be reminded Don't lose heart. God has been working in times past, in these ways, using these methods. He's been speaking to you, speaking to you, speaking to you. And then it goes on, has in these last days, verse 2, spoken to us by his son. And these last days speak to the, the time period when Messiah came. What was going on presently? What's going to go on in the future? How this is going to start to unfold for you? Don't forget. And it's like, um, I don't know if any of you are watching The Chosen. We watch it on the CW just to be supportive and give them the ratings. Uh, but this, the last one that was on was just this whole idea of Peter walking on the water out to Christ. And Peter's response was, don't let go of me. Don't let go. And it's just, you have to have have that personal reality of who Christ is in your life, and what he's doing in your life, and what he wants to do through you. Not only now, but in the future. Because there's a plan. God just doesn't want us to kill time until he comes back. There's so much of a plan to reach others for him, to let him be seen through us. And the only way that we can decrease and he can increase is by permission. And that, that to me, that humbles me daily because I so often will prevent God from using me. working through my hands, working through my feet, working through what I say to people, I prevent it because I'm not walking in obedience or I'm not listening to his voice or I'm not being, uh, being obedient to his prompting to say or do or reach out or whatever because he wants me to be yielded. He wants me to be trusting. He wants me to be so in tune with him and that takes some work. But understand, the world is getting louder and louder and louder and louder because if it can draw our attention away from God, Satan wins. The world wins. Because God talks in a small, still voice. We've got to have those moments in our life. But you don't understand, Dave. You know, this is going on and that's going on. I get it. Talk to God. Ask Christ what to do. But you don't get it. It's like, this is going on and it's, I, I can't really respond. and I can't really think. And it's like, talk to God. And what he should do in the situation through you. And sometimes it's just to to rest in him, to take a step back and go, okay, let it play out. Jesus is the headliner. Romans 10 tells us, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. So if you're here today and you're like, oh, my faith's a mess, get into the word. Oh, but I'm struggling in my walk, get into the word. But you know, oh, what what should I do? What I should get into the word. Oh, that's one of those Christian cliche things. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It is! Because guess what? It works. Because it's like when my thinking can be changed, when my thinking can be transformed, when I can be revolutionized by what needs to happen in my life, the word usually does it. God uses other means too, and He's not—you know—His His arms are not short to reach us in different ways. But it's like God's word is so powerful because oftentimes what it needs to do is be a mirror to our heart to say that's gonna go or this should be changed. Or, "Have you noticed that you always do?" Bup, 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 bup? There's a phrase that I should have looked up and wrote down, but I didn't, and God's just kind of brought the idea to me, but why do you think it's so hard to get into the word of God? Because there's power in it. Why do you think we're so often drawn away from it? Because there's power in it. Don't neglect the power of God in your life. Get into the Word of God. That's what needs to happen. So, oh my goodness. Where are you in your faith journey? What are you trusting to live by? What guides you as you live life? Are you placing your faith in the finished work of Christ? Or are you looking to the world? Jesus is better than any prophet. And sometimes we hold these truths of the word close. Like, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. But are you hearing Jesus? Are you clinging to Jesus? Or to these traditions or these things that you say you do? Verse 2, talking about Jesus is better than angels here, but it says, "...whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. There's some descriptions here of Christ. Heir of all things, he possesses. He is the possessor. Through whom he made the world. He's provided it all. All of it comes from him. He's the brightness of his glory. His presence, And it's like the imagery here, which I just, I love it. It's just like, it's like the rays of the sun. And I don't know, but I love the sun. I love being at the beach because it's like at the beach, in front of the water, feeling the sun. I love it. And that's the imagery that's kind of here with Christ. He's that kind of what we feel. He is that presence that you know, that warmth, that just something tangible Because that's the hard part, right? With God, we can't see Him, we can't touch Him. But we want to so bad. And we can. The express image of His person or nature, His persona. And just to be reminded, just a few things. He's eternal, merciful, good, omnipotent, graceful, omnipresent, holy, omniscient, imminent, righteous, immutable, self-existent, just, sovereign, love, transcendent. Just to name a few. Don't forget who he is. Sometimes we just keep him in that manger, we keep him at Christmas, and that's who Christ is to us. He's so much more. He also upholds all things by the word of his power. Powerful. By himself purged our sins. Preponderate. The only one who could do this. The only one. If you're a believer today, you trust that. You trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, right? The fact that he came, he died for the sins of the world, he was put in a grave for three days, he came back. He's the only one to do it because that's what it took to purge us of our sins. And he has a more excellent name. He is personalized. Matthew one twenty three. we just came off of Christmas. We should have read this probably or heard it at least. But behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Pretty clear <laughs> who he is. No question there. <laughs> Philippians 2.9 also tells us, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. It's Jesus. He wants our worship. He wants our attention. He wants our heart. Where does Jesus rank? Oh no, I've got to say this because I wrote a slide, so that that demands. Psalm 27. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Where does God rank? Where does Christ rank? In your to-do list. Where? Is he at the top? Because Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. We are the church. I love it. I love you. But he needs to be the head. He needs to be the head. Keeping in context with the circumstances surrounding the Hebrews here, when trials come, where do you turn? When life gets hard, what do you do? When the world seems like it's against you, who do you reach out to? Because the church without a head Is decapitated. As crazy as that sounds. We can't live right. We won't live right. Because the person that's supposed to be directing everything has been removed. He is supposed to have the preeminence. We're not connected to Jesus. We are at risk. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than the angels. Heavenly beings, they're amazing, and some people get caught up in the whole idea of that. But he's better than that. Spiritual betterness. He's the heir of all things, creator, brightness, image expressly of God, upholds all things, purges our sins, and has the more excellent name. And if we try to live the Christian life without the head, we are in trouble. I want to end with a quote, almost. Chip Ingram says, God always has and always will look for men and women who say to him, I trust you so much, I'm all in. I want your way, not mine. I'm willing to live by faith. That's what God is calling us to do. That's what the author of Hebrews, is trying to convey a little bit. There's a, so much more, because each of those things that I listed, we could talk about for one, about a week, each week. There's like seven different messages there, because there's so much richness that's there. But I'm only asking you to do one thing today. The author of Hebrews challenges readers that when life throws less than ideal circumstances your way, you need to, be, to, you need to commit, there we go, To be all in. Be all in in 2024. That's my challenge. People need to see Jesus. And guess what? We become the conduits. So can you do that in 2024? There's only a few hours left so you can kind of gear up for it. But be all in in 2024. Because people need to see Jesus. And I think that we've got to push aside all of the craziness that's going on around us and not forget that Jesus is better than these things that try to steal our attention away, that try to create trouble and drama in our life. But living for him is far better. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word. We are so grateful for Christ. Lord, he is the only one that could do what he did. None of us could. There's nothing else that you provide but Jesus to restore relationship with you, to empower us to live incredible lives, lives that oftentimes push us out of our comfort zone into places that allow you to work in great and mighty ways. I pray, Lord, that as we come to you as a body of believers that we would keep Christ as our head that we would hold him high that we would magnify him and glorify him and exalt him on a regular basis so that people can see him in us help us not to be a distraction or a stumbling block for the unsaved world help us to clearly present Christ in the way we act the way we talk, the way we think, and how we live our lives. Lord, we want to honor you with 2024, and it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Happy New Year. Have a great week.